Today we have the privilege of hearing from Danielle Strickland. Danielle has spent much of her life in the Salvation Army, and from that we'll see an interesting illustration about their uniforms to start her message. More on that in a bit. Danielle is an advocate for justice and compassion around the world. She's planted churches and launched anti-trafficking initiatives. I've heard Danielle speak multiple times, and she's on my list of people to listen to when I come across one of her talks. Because as we'll see, she mixes well-crafted messages with fun, energy, and compassion. Danielle's gonna continue our series, Be Rich, by talking about serving from this message she did in Atlanta for the church that organizes our generosity campaign. She's gonna say that when we are served, we discover our identity. But when we serve, we find our purpose. Danielle starts her message with an illustration. Her friend Rob is wearing the Salvation Army officer's uniform, which she uses to introduce her message today. Here's Danielle Strickland. Rob is donning the Salvation Army uniform. This is a, I, I grew up in the Salvation Army, so my whole life I've been pretty much wearing one of these or trying not to wear one of these most of the time. Um, and I, the S's are a little known kind of secret. I think a lot of people don't know what the S's mean. Even within the Salvation Army, there's a little bit of like dialogue about what the S's mean. Uh, when I was uh, serving uh, homeless uh, folks, uh, people suffering from homelessness in a drop-in center years and years ago, I was wearing this uniform myself and an inebriated friend of mine came down the stairs and he looked at me and he says, what do those S's mean? Sexy soldier? <laughs> and I said, they do now. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, when my kids were just discovering, you know, the, the Marvel universe and the superhero genre, I remember trying to convince them that the S's clearly meant super suit. And I'd be like, where's my super suit? You know, like the Incredibles suggested. Uh, but anyway, the debate in the Salvation Army is uh, people think it means saved to save. That's a fairly common word, Salvation Army. That's kind of, so it's saved to save. And the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, used to say, you know, this is our primary job is to get saved and to keep saved and then to get somebody else saved. And I, I love that idea. I love the idea of us being saved from things, but also saved to things. I think this is a beautiful idea. We're not just saved from things, we're saved to things. And I think that's, Great, there's, there's another idea though, like another camp that says, no, no, that's not what it means. It actually means saved to serve. And that's a fascinating thing too, because I think that's kind of fun and neat and interesting. And there's this like really big, really big kind of dialogue going on. I just wanted to kind of solve it uh, once and for all here at North Point um, for the Salvation Army, if you're tuning in. Uh, that, that, that save to save is what we're about. You know, save to save is what every Christian's about. We're not just saved from things, but we're saved to things. This is the invitation of Jesus to invite us to participate with him in bringing hope and life and freedom and salvation to the world. This is like for everybody, we're saved from and we're saved to. But how do we do the saving? How do we do it? That's the question. And I wanna suggest that we do it primarily by doing the serving. We do the saving by doing the serving. So those two things are not opposing arguments, they're actually complementary, and they're super helpful. Thanks for wearing the super suit. Doesn't he look good? Yeah, yeah. you'll hear more about Rob later. <laughs> And I wanted to talk about being free to serve. I really actually believe that uh, serving, being free to serve is what Jesus wants us to experience and to understand. And I wanna take a look, just dive into a passage of scripture where Jesus makes this so very clear. But I, I think what's necessary for people to become free to serve uh, is for us to discover who we are and what we're here for. This is the identity and the purpose 
identity and purpose. These are the two things that if you can figure out, if you can figure out these things, you're set. Talk about being rich, you're done. This is a two drivers that will actually drive the direction, the trajectory of your life forever. Once you realize who you are and what you're here for, you're set. You can actually get to the business of what God has for your life. So let's take a look at John chapter 13. Uh, this is a, a familiar passage of scripture for some people if you've been following and tracking the life of Jesus or following Jesus for some time, you'll know this is the washing of the disciples' feet. It's a very popular passage of scripture. And I think what happens sometimes with popular passages of scriptures is we just kind of read it and go, oh yeah, that happened. And we actually, we don't take the time to really dig into it and find out what it is that God wants to speak. But I believe in this story, we're gonna discover identity and we're gonna discover purpose. So let's have a read through John 13. It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now just hang out here for a second because I'm gonna talk about serve but I, I can't really talk about serving without recognizing that absolutely everything God does, absolutely everything God does, every motive behind what God does, everything God does is infused by and motivated by love. As a matter of fact, this verse sets us up so well. It says, having loved them to the end. When you read that, you sort of think like, oh, I see, Jesus is about to be crucified, so like this is the end. No, 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 that word the end there is actually a Greek word, it means telos. And it means like, till it's done. It means like, till the, very, till the whole project is done, till, till everything's done. And we know that that project is still going, isn't it? This redemption project that God had planned to rediscover, to help humanity be saved, to discover who they really are and what they were born for until the whole world understands that this is the case. God is still loving them. His love is boundless until everything is finished. That is the motive God has for every single thing he does. And that's the motive Jesus has that has him come to serve. So we'll continue reading the scripture. <laughs> that's like a whole separate sermon. That was just for free. Okay. <laughs> I just threw that in, that's just on the side. Okay, here we go, the evening meal, this is what was happening now. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. That's a done deal. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Okay, this, this is the context in which the story's happening. Jesus is about to be crucified. In these passages of God, John's gospel, he's really giving like, these are the essential things I want you to pay attention to. And what's he, what he's doing here is absolutely critical for us to understand to be free to serve. Now, um, I wanna introduce you to Judah. He's my uh, 10-year-old son, so this is him. Isn't he awesome? And uh, Judah's 10 now, but it, this summer he went to a zoo camp and he loves animals. I mean, Judah loves animals so much. Uh, when I said, hey, look at that parrot, he was like, mom, disgusted with me. That's not a parrot, that's a macaw. Clearly there's a difference. Um, 
He knows his stuff, you know, really well. And he's at zoo camp, he's partnered up with his buddy, and uh, the zoologist is introducing them to the camp and he's taking them around. And the zoologist, they're at the primate section where all the monkeys live. And the zoologist says to them, you know, to the, all these uh, nine-year-old kids, look around, these are your ancestors. You know, like this is where you came from. Like you came from these monkeys, so pay attention. This is your evolutionary uh, trajectory, you know. And so they're looking around, whatever, but Judah came home from, he, he came home from zoo camp. He's like, well, that, that was weird. This weird thing happened today. He's telling me this story. And I said, well, what did you do? You know, when, that, when it felt weird to hear that. Now, just before I critique that zoologist's uh, understanding of the world, it is a little tempting to believe if you spent any time with nine-year-old boys. <laughs> right? I get the temptation to believe they might be closely connected to monkeys. I mean, it does feel like that. I did host a nine-year-old boy birthday party, and it felt like I was a zoologist. But anyway, my son said, you know, I, I just asked my buddy, so we were moving to the next exhibit, like the next part of the zoo, and he said, I just turned to my friend and I said, what if we didn't? And my friend said to me, what? What if we didn't what? He said, what if we didn't come from the monkeys? And his friend said, well, then where did we come from? And my son looked at him and said, what if we were created by God for something special? Is that the best question you've ever heard your whole entire life? Now, I, don't, I didn't fill this in to the earlier uh, service, but I'll tell you by Wednesday, my son was able to lead that boy in a prayer to follow Jesus because that question got to him. And that question should get to everyone and everything. What if we were created by God for something special? What if we're not just here out of evolutionary uh, you know, accidents? Like, what if we're not just here out of the survival of the fittest? Like, what if we're not uh, just a, 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 an occasion of like uh, cells put together? Like, what what if we were created by God for something special? What if that's true? And if that's true, wouldn't it change everything? Wouldn't it change everything about what we do with our lives if we were created by God for something special? And what's fascinating about serving, what I would say serving in the kingdom of God is like a weapon of mass redemption. <laughs> It, it literally is serving is like the pinnacle of power when it comes to the kingdom of God and making a way for people to understand that they were created by God for something special. They are no longer just slaves. They are no longer left on their own. They are no longer trying to just make it work. They were created with purpose and meaning. They are loved and known and children of God. What's powerful about this is in Genesis uh, chapter two, verse 15, there's this, a beautiful description of what humanity is put on earth to do by God. What's fascinating about the scripture, of course, is that it is given to the people of God right when they're at a place after so many years of being in bondage and then trying to get free from bondage and being in bondage and then trying to get free from bondage and then being in bondage. They started to believe that maybe they were meant to be slaves. Maybe this is how life's supposed to be. Maybe oppression is just what we were born for. And, and all the commentators say that the book of Genesis was written to say, you were created by God for something special. This is why this exists and this is what God says he created us for. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to till, which is a Hebrew word called abad, and the Hebrew word means to serve. Think about this. The Lord God took humanity, put them in the Garden of Eden to serve it and to keep, which means protect. That's a Hebrew word, shamar, and to protect it. 
So that when we serve, when we get served, and when we participate in serving, we are connecting to this deep identity, this deep purpose for which God put humanity on the planet. We're connecting to our truest selves. We are identifying and discovering who we really are through serving. Put it like this. When we are served, we discover our identity. And when we serve, we find our purpose. That's the power of serving. So let's start with identity. Jesus knew, this is what the scripture says, I love this, John chapter 13, Jesus knew, just say knew. Yeah, that's what I think. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was turning and was returning to God. Jesus knows who he is and where he's going. It's not, Jesus is not in this moment, even though where he's going is to the cross, by the way, he's going to death. So everyone's like, ah, this is like a very insecure time for Jesus. No, it's not. Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows who he is. And this is what I would call a posture of humility. Humility, the best definition of humility I can find is agreeing with God about who you are. True humility is coming into agreement with God about who you are. When you get there, when you get to a place of true humility, you become free to serve. You become free to actually do what it is you were created to do. But here's the problem, is most of us actually struggle because we live in a place called insecurity. Lots of us, we get out of agreement with who God says we are, and we move into a place of insecurity. And when we are doing anything, living or serving out of insecurity, we end up pleasing, needing, and manipulating. That's just what insecurity, that's the fruit of insecurity in our lives. Pleasing, needing, manipulating. Now can I just make this really clear? Even if you're doing great stuff, even if you're serving, but you're not serving out of humility, you're serving out of insecurity, you're gonna be pleasing, you're gonna be needing, and you're gonna be manipulating. That's how that looks when you serve out of insecurity. Uh, the other extreme, of course, is to serve out of arrogance. When you serve out of arrogance or this like great sense of self-sufficiency, here are the things that it's gonna produce in your life. Proving, using, and controlling. Now, you understand that for all of us, and for me especially, I'm on a continuum of this. Depending on what day you ask me is where I'm at, <laughs> right? Depending on what day you ask me, usually when I'm with my kids, I'm serving out of insecurity. And usually when I'm on a platform, I'm serving out of arrogance. You know, that's the temptation to lean on each side. But what I need actually is to find a place in my life all the time, to find a place where I can come into humility, where I can come into agreement about what God says about me. Because when I get into humility, this is what I end up doing, I end up serving. See, and instead of pleasing or trying to prove something, I can just serve. Instead of needing people to be a certain way or needing myself to be a certain way, or instead of using people, I can just serve people. Instead of manipulating or controlling people, I can just serve people. Do you see how liberating that is? Now, there's a couple of things that I, I think are important about this. One is, if you are going to serve, you will need to constantly come into this place again, into a, a, a humble place again. But it's important for us to realize that Jesus is showing us what God is like. And if you don't know this, God is not insecure. And if you don't know this, God is not arrogant. 
God is truly humble. He's not trying to please you or prove something to you. He doesn't need you. He's not using you. He's not gonna manipulate you. He isn't trying to control you. He is simply serving you. And the reason he's serving you is because he wants you to know who you are. Jesus serves from love, not for love, so we know we are loved. Just let it sit for a moment. Jesus serves from love, not for it. So you can know that you're loved. That's who you really are, the beloved of God. Here's another one. Jesus serves from worth, not for worth. So we can know we have worth. This is the great strategy of Jesus serving the disciples so they would know that they're loved, so they know that they have some worth in God's eyes. Here's another one, Jesus serves with purpose. This, he's doing this on purpose and with purpose, not just for purpose. It's not for him, it's for us so that we know we have purpose. And it's so essential for us to figure this out. It's so essential for us to figure this out. And one of the things I've realized as a person who spent a whole life serving, you know, just whether I like it or not, out of obligation, either out of arrogance or out of insecurity and trying to find a place where I can serve, free to serve out of true humility, one of the things I realized over and over again is for me to get there, for me to get to true humility, I have got to allow Jesus to serve me. I have to, and this is, this is where Peter, if you keep reading that passage of scripture, you'll, you'll realize Peter's like, is this really gonna happen? Like, is this, and he's struggling through arrogance and he's struggling through insecurity because he doesn't really know who he is yet. And Jesus is saying to him, I've gotta serve you. You have to let me serve you so that you can discover who you are, Peter, that you are loved regardless of what, how successful you are or how insignificant you feel, that you are loved. You've gotta know that you have purpose. You've gotta know who I think you are and the only way that I can get to a place of true humility in my life is to allow Jesus to serve me. And I don't know if that's you or not. But I, I, I would imagine if it's me, it's, it's, it's everybody. We need to allow Jesus to serve us, to wash our feet. We need to allow ourselves to be served in order to discover who it is that we really are. And sometimes it's helpful to know even when we're serving where we are in terms of that service, where, if we're serving out of humility or not. And here's a couple of shifts that happen. When you start serving out of humility, this is the shift that begins to happen in your service. You move from if they are worthy to God, who I am ultimately serving, is worthy. You move from uh, if it works, to serving is the work. That's a big shift. You move from if they are thankful to I'm thankful I can serve. You move from if they get it. You know these outcomes, if they get it, then it is worth serving them. No, you move from if they get it to I get it. I get the kingdom, I get humility, I get love, I get purpose when I serve. You move from if they change to I am changed through serving. These aren't bad foundational shifts to what happens when you serve out of a place of humility. That's the thing that happens. You get free to serve. You get free to live the purpose for which all of us were born. 
Now, you already met Rob Dolby, and uh, Rob tells a story on a podcast recently of his life where 18 years ago he was stuck on the streets, homeless and drug addicted. And he had nowhere else to go. Uh, no, no, he just needed to be free. He, he had nowhere to go. And he found himself going to a faith-based, uh, a nonprofit, a Salvation Army in his neighborhood and ringing the bell of a detox there and saying, help me. I need somewhere to go. I, I, I wanna get free from drugs. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, have, I have nothing. And he remembers very clearly the door opening, somebody saying, Come on in. And what they began to do was they began to serve him. They served him by giving him a bed. They served him by giving him a meal. They served him by giving him a shower. <laughs> they served him by giving him some clothes. They served him eventually by giving him a home and a family. They served him. And as they served him, Rob began to discover who he really was. This is the power of serving. It's not just that Rob was helped and now he's free, he is all of those things, but he discovered who he was. He discovered that he had some worth, that he had some value. He discovered that he was a child of God. He discovered that he was welcome. He discovered that he belonged. He discovered that he was worth something. He discovered that Jesus loved him, that he was a child of God. That's what he discovered. And that would not only just change things for Rob, it would change things for everyone everywhere. Because this is what serving does. I was thinking not just about Rob, but I was reading about Henry Nouwen's decision that he made to leave what is you know, the upper escalons of uh, academia and theology. You know, he was a, a professor at Yale and at Notre Dame, and, all, and he just was so popular around the world, and he really was so important. He was winning all these awards, and he left all of that to actually join a community called L'Arche Community that Jean Vanier had started, just serving adults with really severe uh, disabilities. And um, people are always like, how did that happen? Like, how did you make that decision? You know, which Henry Nouwen says the best decision of his life where he was finally free to serve the thing that uh, he was created to do. And people ask, how did that happen? Like, tell me more about that. And Henry tells the story, it's fascinating. He tells the story about Jean Vanier starting to pray for him, not even having met him before, but he felt God tell him to serve Henry. So he sent actually a friend of his named Sue to Henry's house, unannounced. Sue goes to his house in Connecticut and, he sa and she says, I have a message from Jean Vanier. And Henry says, now's not a good time, I'm very busy and super important. Uh, I got stuff to do. I'm sure he didn't say that, but that's what he meant. And, uh, and she said, that's okay. I'll just wait for you here. And when you come back and you're done all your busy and important things, I'll be here and we can chat. So he said, okay. So he left for a couple hours. And when he returned to his house, he said, he'll never forget the table was set so beautifully, just perfectly, like a dining room table. And the dinner was on. And the, the, the woman, Sue, said, oh, good, you're back. Now we can eat. You know, I'm, I'm sure you must be hungry. And she served him dinner. And as they were eating dinner, even Henry said, you know, where did you get all this stuff? Do you travel with dining things? Like, what, what's this dinner about? She said, no, actually, all of these things were already here in your house. I just found them. Aren't they beautiful? He said, yeah, they sure are. Who knew? And they began to eat, and they ate. He said, Henry said, the whole time I'm eating, I'm thinking to myself, like, what do they want? Like Jean Vanier probably needs someone to give him some money. Like they probably need an endorsement. Maybe they want me to write an article. Like he's thinking about all the things that his like amazing life and like upward mobility could offer these poor folks living with people who can't pay them back. You know, he's just thinking, what do they want? What do they want? She does all the dishes. She finishes it up. And she said, great. I'm so glad we had this time together. God bless you. I'm out of here. And Henry's like, no, no, no. Like what's the message? What's the message from Jean Vanier? Like you said you had a message. And she said, oh yeah, I delivered it. 
I served it. We love you, Henry Nowen, we love you. And she left. And Henry Nowen talked about that dinner. He said that dinner, as that woman served me, with no strings attached, as she served me, what happened at that dinner would be that I discovered who I really was. And I could escape the, 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 the levels of arrogance. I could escape the life of trying to prove and trying to use and trying to control and trying to think that I'm something better than I am and trying to convince people around me that that must be true because look at Henry now and he's so amazing. He said, I started to discover that I was what he would call the beloved of God. And it freed me. He said, it freed me from proving or using or needing or pleasing. It freed me to be the person that I was always created to be. (laughs) You see what I mean about the power of serving? Isn't it incredible? Let's go to purpose. John 13, four, the story goes on. We're only like at four verses in. The story's so loaded, by the way. You should go home and read it again because it's so powerful. This is what Jesus does. He gets up from the meal, took off, he takes off his outer clothing and wraps a towel around his waist. So he got up from the meal, he took off. This word took off is really important. This is a, a really uh, spiritual word, took off. It, 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 uh, Philippians 2 talks about how Jesus didn't like just consider equality in heaven something to be grasped onto, something to hang onto. He actually took off a lot of things. He took off heaven, he took off glory, he became a human. There's, there's this incredible thing that Jesus is doing in this passage of scripture. Now, specifically what he took off is his rabbinical cloak. That would have been that thing that was on Jesus. You remember when that woman in, in the scriptures, this woman has this disease and she can't get free of and the scripture says she reached out and touched the cloak of Jesus the the robe of Jesus and she was healed you know that would have been his rabbinical robe it would have had tassels on either end and so she probably would have touched one of those tassels it was evidence of his authority as a rabbi that was his rabbi's suit it was his super suit Jesus took it off you know why he took it off because it was in the way he took it off because it was in the way Because his purpose is not just to be a teacher. His purpose is not just to put on things. His purpose is to serve. His purpose is to serve, and this is what Jesus is doing all through the Gospels, by the way, not just in this, but definitely in this. He's taking off anything that's in the way of serving you. He's taking off anything that's in the way of serving people because he knows that by serving them, they will discover who they really are. And when they discover who they are, they'll discover that serving is what they were created to do. (laughs) This is so, when I I was in a a movie uh, a couple years ago with my husband, we went to see the movie Hercules. And uh, it stars Dwayne Johnson, which if ever there was a godlike man, I'm pretty sure he's the guy. (laughs) Don't judge me, I'm just telling the truth. My husband even agrees. You know, he just sat in the movie going, how does he get those traps? Anyway. We're watching this thing and the premise of the movie is that uh, Hercules is not a god man. He's just pretending to be a god man so that he can get more money. He's a mercenary for hire, so it it gets him lots of work. And how he uh, pretends to be a god man is he has this secret team. So he goes in and he he, he takes on battles that no man could ever do by himself. And a secret team, you know, goes in stage left. (laughs) And they defeat this thing together and the secret team exits stage right, but Hercules, you know, immerses like this with the sword raised and behold the mighty Hercules. It's a, it's a whole, it's a shtick. And uh, I'm, I'm watching this movie, there's a scene in the movie specifically where Hercules is in the front of the battle and he gets wounded, he gets struck on the shoulder. 
And the, the captain of Hercules' secret team sees it's happening, you know, and so he just goes through the whole front line of the battle to get to Hercules. And when he gets to Hercules, he takes his coat, his, his cloak, his long flowing cloak, and he, and he puts it over his shoulder. He hides his wound, and he whispers in Hercules' ear, never let them see you bleed. And in this moment, I'm in this movie theater, and just literally for me, the screen goes black, and all I can see is a picture of Jesus crucified, bleeding everywhere. And I felt God say to me, so profoundly, this decision, this invitation into the life of Jesus, that I could either live a life like Hercules, or I could live a life like Jesus, but I couldn't live both because they're going in different directions. See, Hercules is putting things on. Hercules is a life of ascension. Hercules is proving. Hercules is pleasing. Hercules is, Hercules is, is using. Hercules is manipulating. Hercules is controlling. He's putting on the accolades. He's putting on the things. And Jesus is busy taking them all off. Anything that's in the way, take it off. Here's some things that Jesus took off, and there's even more glory. He took off heaven for a body. He took off authority to become a servant. He took off safety for suffering. He took off success for some humility. He took off comfort for obedience. Jesus is descending, and the invitation to descend is to be a per per person who it, it understands the purpose of our lives is to serve. This is John 13, 12. It says this, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Isn't that the best line ever? I think I'm gonna work it on in my regular life. <laughs> just do some things and say, do you understand what I was doing? Just to kind of create some discussion. Like, do you understand? Do we understand what Jesus is doing? I mean, I hope we're starting to understand. I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. What was Jesus doing theologically? He's just like, God is not insecure or arrogant. He's not controlling or manipulating. He is love. And you're gonna know that because he came to serve you. Jesus says, this is who God is. That's what he's doing. Emotionally, pastorally, Jesus is caring for people. He's communicating how much he cares for people regardless of what they're going to do. Judas is already betraying him and he's gonna care for him anyway. It does not matter what you've done or what you're even going to do yet. Jesus' service is no strings attached, man. He is loving you and demonstrating it by serving you and he will for forever. What else is he doing? He's doing something socially here which we don't even have time to unpack but what Jesus is doing socially is he has completely decimated hierarchy forever in the kingdom of God. There is no more hierarchy. I mean, this means like slavery cannot work. This means that like the, the who's who and the have nots are the same exact thing because every single person was created in the image of God. This means that master servant no longer is a thing. This means that we can be free to be like Jesus. This means everything for everyone. That's how powerful it is to serve. So what do we do? How do we get to this place where we're free to serve, not obligated to serve, not expectations of service, not like hoping to please or to cajole our way? How do we get free to serve? Well, we let Jesus serve us. And when we actually walk out in purpose, here's what's required, and this is really interesting, to follow the example of Jesus, what's required is for us to take off more things than we put on. Jesus takes off the rabbinical robe, his authority, even his earthly authority, so he can take up a servant's towel. What are you willing to take off? Maybe some time? No, oh, not time. 
important and busy people, whew, please God, don't let it be time. Let it be a check, let it be a check. Don't let it be time. Maybe you need to take off some time so that you can take up some opportunities to serve some people. Maybe you need to take off your own importance. Maybe you need to take off your own prejudice. Maybe you need to take off your like pro-con analysis of if this will bear enough fruit or not and just get into the work of serving because actually your identity and the person you're serving's identity depend on it. And in the serving, you discover this is what you were born to do. Look at John 13, 15 says this. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Don't you love this? I've given you an example to follow. Do. I love this. Like, think about this. Have sermons about this. <laughs> talk about, no, none of that here. None of that here. Have, talk about, have good thoughts about this. Applaud this idea. <laughs> Encourage people to do this. No, no, no. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You, first you allow Jesus to serve you so you can, uh, you can discover your identity. And then you do as Jesus did and you find your purpose. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? There's something so profoundly spiritual about serving. I, Mother Teresa's one of my, my favorite folks and uh, she was uh, followed around by a BBC reporter one day and she was scraping people off sidewalks in India and just trying to give them dignity before they died, giving them a bath for the first time, a bed for the first time, just literally serving them. There's nothing they could do in response. She was just serving them. And at the end of the day, the BBC reporter said, I don't know how you do this every day. Just you, deal, you just deal with death all day long, like I, I, the suffering, the, the poverty. I just, I don't know how you do this. And Mother Teresa looked at him kind of longingly and just said, is that what you saw? All day, that's all you saw? And he said, yeah. She said, that's so weird. She said, all I saw all day long was, was Jesus. All I saw was glory. All I saw was child of God. All I saw was sacred. All I saw was belonged. What all I saw was wanted. All I saw was received. All I saw was Jesus. And when you get free to serve, you discover who you are and then you're free to actually discover what you do and then as you discover your purpose, you realize that your purpose is to help other people discover who they are. And then as other people discover who they are, they discover what they were made for and they help other people discover. You understand how this works? It's such a beautiful, powerful way of bringing good news to the world. Such a spiritually, powerfully infused way of putting hands and feet and actions behind the beautiful motive of God, which is love. And this is the invitation that God invites us to. I was struck by what was required for both Henry Nouwen and Rob Dolby to come to a place of true humility and get about the serving that they were called to. It struck me that Henry Nouwen had to take off, well, fame, had to take off what other people thought of him, had to take off Oh, probably some financial things. Had to take off some barriers of wealth and privilege. Rob had to take off some things too, labels and cycles in his own family's history. He had to take off things of being rejected or being unwanted or addiction, poverty. Both of them making their way to the same Jesus. And as Jesus serves them, <laughs> they discover who they really are. The same invitation is for you and me, same exact one, to move out of insecurity and move out of arrogance and move right into humility 
where we can be free to serve. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for serving us. Even here today, thank you for reminding us and inviting us and loving us. Just like Peter, we're just unsure. You know, we don't feel worthy. We don't feel right about it, and we don't feel ah, like we need it even sometimes, but we do. Oh, we do. We need you to serve us here today. Serve us with your love and your forgiveness and your grace and your freedom. Serve us with your presence. Serve us with your care. Serve us with your great big welcome home so we could be free to serve others just like you served us. Help us find our identity and our purpose and spread that news to everyone we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.